This is Ant Lyons. Welcome to the YPN podcast, your property podcast, uh, with my co-host, Eng Harrod-Owen. Hello. Hello again. Hello. Uh, we're, we're back for our next episode. Um, but before we do, shameless plug, if you're listening to the podcast and enjoying the podcast and value property information and want to learn more, please, please, please go to yourpropertynetwork.co.uk. Grab your first copy of the magazine completely free of charge and access to all of our subscriber members area. Um, I think we've got maybe 200 hours of these audio recordings now. Yeah, something so like that, many right? hours. You could fill up um, many, many drives. Many drives. Many so, drives. Yeah. So, okay. So shameless plug over. That's yourpropertynetwork.co.uk. Shameless plug now over. Okay. So... Uh, in this episode uh, of our, po- our podcast, we are talking about um, sacking the day job, sacking off the day job, actually. Uh, it's our lead article in one of the uh, editions of the magazine, uh, following people who have done exactly that. So taking a step away from the nine to five and the more structured environment, um, as, as it can often feel, into doing their own thing in property. And it's a, it's a bold move for anybody, uh, you know, no matter where you are, I guess, in terms of money, wealth, that sort of stuff. And uh, it's, a, it's a huge step and one which probably is filled with terror, excitement, all those kind of things. And we're going to learn uh, exactly what it was like for uh, one person, one investor in just a couple of minutes. So I'd like to introduce her onto the call. So uh, Kellyanne Martin, thank you for joining us today. Hello, you are you're welcome. You are our, our, our subject of the week to be uh, <laughs> dissected uh, on this. Oh, that sounds horrible. I know, like, doesn't oh. it? It's, it's a proper <laughs> grilling. It's a proper grilling. You know that. So, um, uh, no, you 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 fit the, this mold. This was you not very long ago in what was a pretty tough job. That's right. Yes, I used to be a high school teacher for my senior. Okay, so second well, I school. I don't think there is a tougher job. I, that must be pretty brutal. Teenagers, um, the work of the devil, to be blunt. <laughs> but they're good fun, though. They're good fun. And you learn a lot from teenagers as well and how to deal with various situations. Because um, once you've come across a gobby 13-year-old that's told you F off, what, what are you going to do with them? Life just only gets better than that, surely. <laughs> do, you, do you know what? I've got a really good friend of mine, and he's a police officer in, a, in actually in two schools now. He works in two schools. And this just, I was, uh, maybe I'm just really naive or whatever. I couldn't believe that, you know, this police, of, uh, police officer's resident in schools now, you know, and he oh, was yes, stacking them. Yeah, it's, it's just seemed crazy. And I, I was thinking, blimey, it's all stepped up a notch since Graham Hill in my day, hasn't it? But, yeah. I say an hour ago on the phone, one of my teacher friends, she said that a, a child had actually lunged for a teacher at parents' evening and the parents had to hold him back. So I don't know what the, uh, the history teacher had done to upset that particular kid. Well, I think in fairness, in fairness, none of us enjoyed crop rotation, did we? None of us enjoyed crop <laughs> rotation in whatever century it was. So, um, so your life as a teacher, uh, you know, it's pretty long hours. Um, there's a lot of marking involved in it. Um, you get some decent holidays, but a lot of that's actually filled with planning. Planning, marking, yeah, taking books home. And um, because I was a core subject, I saw English. You actually get a lot more work than some of the other subjects as well. Assessments, you know, quite a deep, quite a, a lot of paperwork, to be honest, in, uh, in English. Mm. Yeah. It was a high-pressure job as well, because if your kids don't perform well, that reflects badly on you. 
Yeah, is that true. right? That is so, right, sadly. Yeah, there's no onus on the kids these days. Um, no, it's not like there used to be. It's, you know, if the kid doesn't do very well, well, it must be the teacher's fault automatically. It must be. <laughs> it's a it's a difficult job as well because you're under an awful lot of scrutiny, aren't you? You know, you've That's got right. parents who are, you know, looking at you uh, and assessing, you know how the kids doing and making judgments on you. You've got school management doing exactly the same and um, all, all of those expectations. So um, with all that said, glad to be out of it maybe. I do actually miss, I, I, if I could have gone into the classroom and just taught and gone home and not had all the nonsense of the paperwork and the office politics and the marking, I'd have still been there probably. My, my wife, wife was a uh, primary school teacher and she says exactly the same thing. She literally stopped doing it about nine or ten years ago when we had kids and um she says if it was just me in the in the classroom yeah, teaching yeah. i'll be doing it now that's it but it, but it's that's not it. so uh okay so let's talk about um the decision to move into property because some of us fall into it for others it's sort of a, a decision by design you know it's a very deliberate decision saying you know i, I want to choose something else and property seems like a seems like the way to to to, to go what happened for, for you well, because I was working so hard and I say teacher, teaching is quite stressful, I actually asked the head teacher if I could go part time. And because I was a core subject, he, he wouldn't let me. He's like, no, you've got to do five days. I'm like, all oh, right, okay, here's my notice. <laughs> so, so I thought, right, well, I'll do no time and I'll, I'll focus on something else instead. So I literally just jumped off the diving board. And, uh, and did you have any plan what you were going to do, or was it just sort of a leap of faith? A, a, bit of, a bit of both. I had a, I'd always wanted to do property full-time, but um, I wasn't quite sure at that point how I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what I did. Okay, so, so for, some, for some people, they kind of engineer an exit, um, you, you know, sort out a sort of income stream, and at which point, at some point, that kind of roughly equates to what they're earning through the, the day job, as it were, and then it makes more sense to make a move. But for you, it was more of a springboard into the into the unknown to a degree but you were at this point were you were you mixing with other property people no not not at this point i just had to work, figure out a way to make it work um yeah. i had luckily I, I had some means of living for a, a while but i i basically just sort of started googling property investment came across a couple of various um training courses went on a few tested a few out they weren't quite for me, and that's when I came across the uh, the current training provider that I've done most of my training with. Okay, and you did, and um, here we're talking about Progressive, and I'm, I'm you know known Rob and Mark for well over a decade now, mm -hmm. and done some work with with them, um, and I've I've interviewed probably hundreds of people, hundreds of their students that have gone on to really make it work for yeah. for for them as well. So um, you know, I, I know the guys at Progressive. Progressive HQ, it's called, isn't it? I was going to call That's it Progressive right. Towns, which is <laughs> very well. So, um, okay, so the the uh, one of the toughest bits in property, I don't know if you can identify this, is understanding what am I going to do because there you can do buy to let or buy to sell or commercial to residential development or new builds or build to rent or lease options or exchange with delayed completion or service accommodation or I'm running out of fingers now to count them off. <laughs> It, it, you know, it, there's so much you can do, and a lot of people freeze at that point, or they get shiny penny syndrome, where they, you know, start doing one thing and immediately something else looks more appealing. Um, how did you hone in on right? This is my plan because I'm guessing you, you know, you had to create an income fairly fast. 
yeah um well so when i signed up with progressive i basically signed up for a full package a complete suite of different training courses um and some of them having done them i think yeah that's an interesting strategy but i'm not interested in that at all mm-hmm. um some of the lease options normally down the rent to rents that's just that's not for me for me if i'm doing a lot of work on a property i want to own it um and whether that's right or wrong that's just my view um but saying that when i did start out I did get a bit of shiny penny syndrome, as I say, and um, tried a few things. In fact, the very first property I bought from Progressive, I thought, right, let's get a HMO, let's get some cash flowing. So, uh, so that's what that's what I did. Just okay. bought a house. I literally, I didn't, I'd not even had time to do the HMO course by that point. I went on a viewing around a house looking for a single let. I thought, oh, this is massive. This is my, yeah, let's do an HMO. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then it was after that I'd learned all the things and applied all the things that. Um, that they teach to the house yeah okay that works out well <laughs> good yeah we don't often sorry we don't often meet people who sort of go into it completely blind and i you know i really applaud you for that that's wonderful i i think way too much before yeah. i make any decision well i think there's two types of people in this world to be honest i think there's, there's i'm gonna and get on with it so i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that right we'll get on with it then <laughs> and that's you know if you're gonna do something you might as well have a go aren't you and if it goes I, wrong, I agree if if and Herod is an overthinker i'm very much an underthinker in almost every every area of life i would would say that um i probably don't think enough but um sure and my wife would agree with that that statement but um so but single letters have formed the sort of backbone of what you're doing at the moment. And we don't hear very much about them these days, you know, because of the sort of changes to the buy to let, the way that buy to let is, is, is treated from a tax point of view now. I can't recall when I last chatted to someone about who was building a portfolio of, I think yours is a bit mixed, isn't it? Because you've got some single lets and HMO in there as well and some other yeah. stuff. But um, single lets have sort of formed the, the backbone of it. Why is that um, when so many other people are chasing other stuff? I think um, it's a peer pressure thing, I think, in property circles because you go to all these networking events. What are you doing? And people are, oh, I'm doing this, that, and the other. And, and you feel a little bit ashamed sometimes to do it. You know, to say, I'm just doing cheap, cheerful buy to lets. You know, it's almost a little bit embarrassing that you just want to buy these little houses for families. It's, it's, not, it's not cool for some people to admit that, but I love it. I love it. Well, I, I think it's. A, I think that's a really interesting statement because I've got you know number of single lets and a yeah. few HMOs as well, and by and large, my HMOs are a bit of a ball ache. Yeah, yeah. The more effort, the more effort. They're more. They're more effort, and um, I I did some maths. I, did, I was doing my accounts a couple of weeks ago, and I did on, on one of my HMOs. It hasn't ever really worked. You know what I mean? It's meant right. to work really well, and so forth. And I did the maths on it, and I've made more money from one single let property over the year than I've made from my HMO in two years. So, you know, here's a worry. It's definitely not, not, not been working out that one, but, um, so you're, you're concentrating on, you know, houses, stuff where you can add value, um, sort of serious value. So whereabouts in the country are you based so we can get to understand your property market? So I am uh, born and raised in Leeds, and because I've lived in this area all my life, even went to university here, um, I know my patch really quite well. You know, I know which bits of a certain village are great and which streets are a no-go. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I, 
I never go more than 20 minutes from my own front door. <laughs> um, I don't like to drive very far. And I like to be able to get there if there's really any issues with the families and tenants, the houses. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so, so, sort of South Leeds is my patch, I'll say. Okay. And when you're looking for properties, what sort of things are you looking for? Is it um, stuff that is it, most first-time buyers and residential buyers are just going to be put off by? What, 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 what's on your sort of shopping list? So my ideal and favourite type of properties are the ones that are ex-local authorities, the ex-council houses, because they're big, they're roomy, they've generally got two or three bedrooms, generally got big back gardens for the, the kids, because my target market is families. The idea is that they'll, they'll move into one of my nice refurbished houses and they'll never leave. And that's the exact sort of target audience I go for. So, you know, one bedrooms, I'll, I will look at if I think, oh, I'm looking at one tomorrow because I think I might be able to get another bedroom in there somehow. Um, but generally two, three bedroom ex-council houses just for the sheer size of them. Mm. And um, yeah, they're always quite popular around this area. Mm. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the background. In, in this um, neck of the woods, there's somewhere near an 11 year waiting list for a council house, you know, if you're, you're on the um, on the list for, you know, and there's, um, we've got this system on Lee City Council 11, website. 11 years. 11 years. I've got this system, like the, the last time I looked at it a few weeks ago, um, every time a house comes up, people bid on it. And one house, 524 people bidded on this house to try and get this council house. Um, there's such a shortage of housing up here. Um, so when someone like me comes along and takes a, a stabby little house and makes it nice for a family, you know, they're never going to leave me, effectively. That's, and it's, it's a nice feeling to be able to help those, those people that are in limbo, effectively. I think you're absolutely right. I've, I've got a number of families in, in, in some places and they just stay there. And they, yeah, that's what you want. They after it, whereas the dreaded young professionals, for my mind, they're, they're always going to move on. They're going to get a job somewhere else. <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna, you know, get together with someone and buy a place together, or move yeah. in together, or they're gonna move elsewhere, or whatever. And you know, their, their lives are always moving on. Whereas, you know, with a family, what you actually need is stability, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And these are the sort of families, you know, the family, you know, the mum's mum will live around the corner, her sister will live down the road. You know, it's that sort of mentality and environment in in this area. Yeah. So it means that um, you've actually got, you've not got a shortage of people, you know, you're not sort of actively constantly looking for tenants, they're sort of, they're all there. No, I mean, the last few houses that I've done and I've had viewings on, I feel bad because you can't house them all. <laughs> I'm like, oh, which, who will we pick? <laughs> <laughs> I need more houses. <laughs> How do you choose then? Because that, that's really, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Making a judgment call. How do you, what's the criteria that you, you would choose um, to select one tenant over another? Well, first of all, I'm, I, I'm really strong on gut instinct, so I, I pick someone that I like and I think will, will work quite well. Obviously, I do the checks with you know, things like the, the wage slips and whatnot. Um, but the first and foremost, I've got to like them and want them to be in my house and think that they won't trash it. And I've mm. not been let down so far, so I'm <laughs> such wood that's, that's working out well. That's really good. So, so let's talk about the sort of investing model for you. So, um, and I, know I say this in probably every interview I've, I've ever done, really. Um, the easiest thing in the world in property is to run out of money. You know, we, we start out with a pot of money and it doesn't matter how much it is. For some people, it's nothing. For some people, it's 50 grand and for others, it's a couple of million. But whoever we are, if we're building a portfolio, it's the easiest thing in the world to get to a point where we've run out of cash. So um, I, I always like to sort of 
ask people, how are you overcoming that very real challenge? Is it, is it a case of sort of buying, adding value and being able to refinance out, back out most of the money or you bring in external finance or a combination of everything? Um, the, my main model is buy, refurbish, refinance. So try and get the properties as cheap as an, a mar- under a market value as I could possibly can. Um, you do have to leave money in, you know. I wasted a lot of time when I first began looking for the elusive all your money back out before I realised I'm missing out on some good deals here, you know, because I'm having to leave a few thousand in if I do them. You know, because I'd sort of be, I had it in my head that it wasn't a deal unless you got all your money back out, which is illogical and unreasonable these days, I think, especially with the, the introduction of the stamp duty. Um, it's, I think it's difficult to do if you manage it. Good on you. <laughs> I think it's difficult to do to get, you know, a, a decent chunk of money back out the other, yeah. other end. So I guess that's a combination of A, buying smart in the first place, buying at the right price and, and adding value without blowing the budget, you know, without, um, it's that's easy to do as well, isn't it? Just throw money at a problem. Um, so, oh, you should move to Yorkshire. We'll teach you how to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why being, being a Yorkshire girl, you must be a bit more canny than me, probably. That's probably it. Every pound's a prisoner, according to Mark Homer. He's, he, he must be real Yorkshire. <laughs> I like that expression. I really like that expression. It's a good one, isn't it? So, how much? How so, much? Yorkshire man's cry. How <laughs> much? So um, let's talk through a case study or two, you know, um, but, but, but one of your projects, perhaps we could just choose one now. And I know you were kind enough to, to send some over, Ang Harold, you know, you've probably got some in front of you there at the moment. So what will we be looking at in terms of a, a purchase price and, a, and, and, and how much you're spending on it and, and, um, and, and end values and so forth? So can we bring up one of those now, Harry, if you've got one in front of you? Uh, I've got Thrustle Lane in front of me. Ah, Thrustle Lane. Yeah, that's, that was an <laughs> Okay, so that one, I bought that one, a three-bedroom, ex-council house, end terrace, uh, big gardens. The back garden was actually massive, but I would think about building on there if the, the access was better. So that's maybe for the future, we'll have a think. Of. Anyway, um, so that was actually on the market for ages. I, I viewed it and somebody tried to buy it off me. And I, I kept ringing up the agent just to follow up. How are you getting on with that one? Has it, has it, um, has it gone through yet? And the very morning I did one of these calls, she went, oh, the vendor's just dropped out. I'm like, oh, well, let's get me in to see it again. So that's what I did and got that offer agreed at £66,000. Cheap and cheerful for a three-bed house. That that's is cheap, not bad. <laughs> that is cheap, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we have a lot of listeners you know, all over the, the, the country, but probably... 20% of them in the sort of southeast, and you know, you would genuinely struggle to buy a parking space for <laughs> well. 70 grand there. So, um, and what sort of state was it in? You know, was it a oh, it was dreadful, uh, dreadful. Sorry, I'm interrupting there. I get to oh, that's <laughs> great. I like it. Those are my favorite ones. You know, I, I, I um, I've got a good friend of mine, and we did a few webinars together, and he'd always show a picture of uh, this house, and it was it was appalling, you know, and, and we, we used to play a little game of uh, top trumps over who had viewed the worst house. <laughs> Um, so what just wrecked or tired or no it was destroyed inside it had been empty for many years I think someone had bought it a few years prior and tried to have a go at it and then abandoned the project Um, so there's a little bit of a kitchen that was put in but it was dreadful and there was a gas pipe that went sort of out and up and across the ceiling and down the other side of the kitchen just totally unsafe Um, I said there was a hole in the ceiling in the roof that leaked into the bedrooms the bathroom was horrendous. There was 
there was there was just there was three pieces you know three piece suite bathroom but the walls were trashed and there was floorboards missing and oh it was dreadful there were cracked yeah. windows looking at pictures of it now and it is horrendous i mean <laughs> the amount of rubbish that's on the i think it's in the main i think you're taking it from the stairs this picture, oh yeah which yeah. will be in the magazine but um there's like a pile of just crap i like it <laughs> i like the i like the bathroom you like that sexy bathroom <laughs> yeah that was great no door on it you couldn't have, you couldn't have had a wee in peace <laughs> no no absolutely so and how do you get where, where did you learn i guess because how much this thing's going to cost to put right because i think that's where a lot of people who want to do property this is the bit that they stop at actually because yeah. well, i can see that you know that's a property i could fix up but i've got literally no idea how much of a money pit this thing is going to be so and where do you begin yeah um so you make a list i make a list of everything that needs doing and the contractors that i've used before and trusted like the electrician he's i've used him for probably seven years now so I know that, you know, he's going to give me a good price. But when it comes to doing a job that I've not done before or using a contractor that I've not done before, I'll generally try and get two or three different contractors in to come and give me a price. Um, because amazingly, some of them don't even turn up. Some of them never get back to you with a quote. And some of them give you a quote that's so ridiculous that they're just being rude and they don't really want to work with you because they're being offensive with what they're asking you. So it always helps to have a selection of quotes for what you want to do, I find. And um, are you project managing the, the, the refurbs yourself? Or? Yeah, I do. I, I like going in. I like being nosy and watching how things develop. And um, I, There were one time I sort of stepped back from another project. Um, I just had a, a day or so off. And then I went back and the, um, the, the kitchen suppliers had, had, had delivered the wrong worktop. But because I wasn't there, the kitchen fitter had started fitting the wrong worktop and they were oh they were a tantrum that day so <laughs> so if i'd have been there you're overseeing that i'd have been able to say actually that's not the right worktop that's not what i ordered but instead you know it was already fitted and i had to have a ding dong with the supplier and <laughs> so it's you know I, I don't like chaos and i like things to go smoothly and by me being there that i think that happens quite well um, i say the last project eight weeks eight weeks nice and smooth nice and steady that's what we want Time so, is money, as they say. Time is money, yeah. Uh, every pound's a prisoner. That's it. So, yeah. and, and so how much did um, this one cost you to, to put right? So from the wreck that we're looking at right now, how, how much do you spend on, the, uh, on it? So uh, I have a little sort of old school ledger and I write down everything that we've done. So we did damp roofing on that one as well. Obviously the roof that I mentioned, new bathroom, new kitchen, uh, brand new boiler and system. And so the total for that one was £9,949. Wow. In That's not bad. That's not a lot of money to get it looking like, you know, what is now a nice looking family home. It's lovely, yeah. It's very, I was particularly pleased with the little um, freestanding electric fire stove burner. Yeah, I got yeah. that off um, Facebook Marketplace, incidentally. That, you know, you, sometimes you can get things that don't have to be brand spanking new that just look nice enough to to set an effect i guess also you save quite a bit of money on furniture because when people do hmos i mean they have to provide pretty much everything whereas mm -hmm. i guess you provide the just the house more or less unfurnished yeah i mean i did provide furniture in the hmo but it just depends again what sort of spec you want to go for mm. um, 
Yeah. You know, now I've always, I was always figured that, you know, if someone brings their own sofa and bed and stuff like that, they're probably staying for a while. <laughs> Some of my HMO tenants are like, like, oh, can we get rid of this? Because I want to get this bit of furniture in my room. And I'm like, where am I going to put all this furniture? Yeah. I've got two yeah. full sheds already. <laughs> <laughs> my mum's actually going mad at the minute because I keep filling her shed up with tools and things like that, you know. <laughs> but that's what mums are for, though. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, with this one, where, where did you end up with your sort of uh, post-works valuation? Uh, the mortgage lend, did you mean? Yeah. So I got it revalued after six months and they came back with, from 66 that I bought it for, they, they revalued it at £105,000. Nice uplift, really good uplift. Yeah. So, so, and that enables, enables you to get back pretty much most of the working capital? Yeah, so I got a 75% loan to value mortgage mm. on that one. So. Okay, um, and what would it rent for and what would the mortgage cost you a month? So that particular one, uh, let me just look at my little spreadsheet. I forget things with I'm getting so many now. Uh, so that one, the mortgage is two hundred and forty pound eighty eight pence a month on the phone. and the re- oh, and the rent is six hundred and fifty a month. Sorry, that's my. Yeah. <laughs> He's excited oh, about it too. It's oh, really <laughs> one of my podcast dogs in the background. Apologies. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, in actual fact, you know, that's a great profit on it. You know, it's a great monthly profit, and that's more than a lot of people would make on on an HMO. Um, so, with with none of the hassle. Now, you're you're very hands on in your property business. I can tell that not only in terms of the reefer, but in terms of managing the properties as well. Um, how time intensive is that element of the business? Is the management side of the business? Um. Not too bad, to be honest. I mean, some some weeks, I, I you know, I'll be like, I'm a bit bored here. I might just text my tenants and check everything's all right. Because, <laughs> um, you know, nothing really happens, um, especially with the buy-to-lets, the single-lets. You know, I, I literally go months without hearing them, and then I'm like, oh, why have I not heard from them? What, I hope everything's all right. Um, but that's that's the beauty of single-lets, you know. Once you, yeah, you spend a lot of time initially setting them up and getting them going, and then... When the tenants moved in, there's a few weeks snagging and think, you know, while they're working things out, where, oh, where's the water switch and things like that. But then generally, you, they just leave you alone and you don't have to deal with them. You just sort of set and forget them as, a, as it is really. Mm. And how has the transition from having like a super intense um, full-time job, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour days on your feet, marking, whatever, how's that transition been to going to like being completely in control of your own time doing what you want that how's it been for you personally fabulous i get up at eight o'clock every single day and i'm i see all these things about 5 a.m 6 a.m starts and i'm like well i work for myself i'll do what i like (laughs) so so i get up at eight o'clock every day and uh, and i'm happy with that (laughs) um yeah i don't have to work hard i don't have to do oh you you do have to do paperwork you know as per any investor landlord um did you struggle with the um with the sort of change in the lack of structure? So yeah, I think that's what my question was, but Anne's just put it a lot more um, eloquently. Initially, because you are effectively responsible for your own day, and some you know some days if you don't follow, I've got a, a little sort of sequence that I follow every day, and if you don't follow it, then the day just disappears. And you're like bloody hell, where's that gone? Hmm. You've got to manage your time, or the time manages you, and then you've wasted a day. Um, so that took me a while to get used to. As I say, I have a little, 
<laughs> daily diary thing mm. that I follow now. Um, and that's what I do. And do you have, um, do you have, because um, I know you've got some longer term goals, which we're going to talk about a bit later on as well. Do you, but do those, do those sort of translate into sort of medium term goals and then shorter term actions of what, you know, ev everything you do on a day by day basis is just inching you ever closer towards that bigger goal? Yes. I've got my, I've got like a log that I write every single day about what's happened today. What have I done to move my business and, um, forward that day? And in the back of this book, I've, it's like a visual pictorial that I've drawn about where my life was, what it looked like last year, what it looked like the year before, where I'm at now, what I'm aiming for this year, the next, for the next 10 years, effectively. Um, so, yeah, I've got a 10 year plan ending in 2026 with me having 50 houses. OK, that's, and, a, big, um, that's a big number to, to aim at. But I've got a feeling, I've, yeah, but I've got a feeling you're going to be there way before then. Yeah. Well, I, I feel at the minute like it's slow process because initially I wanted five a year. But when you're starting out, it's not realistic to get five a year. Um, I think, it, you know, a nice slow start, do it. And then it's, it literally is rinse and repeat. And I think the better I get it, the faster I'll get as well. The better I'll get at raising finance, the better and quicker I'll be at doing the deals, doing the refurb, getting the tenants in onto the next one. So um, how long have you been at it now? Full time? Yeah. Yeah, uh, just over two years okay. since I set my business up. Yeah, two years. And how long and did it take you to get to, to reach the sort of point where you were, I guess, sort of financially free in terms of, you know, I've, I've replaced the, 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 the salary as a, a teacher with my property income? That happened last year. Um, so maybe in 18 to 20 months. But don't forget, I live in Yorkshire. I don't live. I don't live in London. Things are not massively expensive here. Um, you know, my mortgage is not massive. My own house. Um, so I'm at the point where I'm financially secure, working my way towards now being financially free. Where you know, even if two houses became vacant at once, two you know, two tenants left, I'd still be all right. Um, so that's what I'm aiming towards now. Sort of my next financial target of financial freedom. But it's still a big goal, though, having actually reached the milestone of you've now replaced your income. Oh, yeah, it's great. As long as all my houses are filled, I don't have to get out of bed if I don't want, which is a nice feeling to have. <laughs> but I do get out of bed at 8 o'clock. <laughs> at 8 o'clock? Yeah. I'm filling the diary, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and um, what do you, when you made the decision to, you know, jump, jump shit, get out of teaching, what was the reaction of kind of friends and family? Were they behind you? Were they looking at you with horror um, or a bit both? Well, I'm an only child, so my friends and family have always known that I, I do what I want, to be honest. Um, so they were a bit like, oh, my God, what are you going to do? Well, I'll manage, won't I? Because I've made that decision, so I'll have to manage. You know, there's, there's no knight in shining armour coming down to look after me. If, if it's to be, it's, it's up to me, effectively. Um, so that's sort of the way it's always been in my life. I've always had to rely on me to look after me, um, if that makes sense. But, yeah, that does yeah. make sense. I, mean, <laughs> I, like, I like the fact that, you know, you, you know it, it'll, I'll have to make it, happen, make it work because I have to make it work. That's it, that, yeah, that's, that's it. it. I can't live on magic beans. The ultimate motivator. Fear <laughs> is, the ultimate, is the ultimate motivator, isn't it? So. That's it, that's it. Okay, so what have been some of the challenges along the way? Because... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, from when you started out, you were looking at some property courses and stuff like that. Yep. Initially, it can just sound like, wow, this is going to be really easy, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, 
and the reality be a millionaire by next year this is gonna be great but the the reality is different and uh, you know doesn't matter on the levels of success that anyone achieves there are speed bumps along the way and very real challenges so what are some of the things that you faced that you didn't necessarily envisage happening um through the journey my biggest challenge i've found throughout the two years is something that other people say is actually really easy but I really struggle with it through my own mindset and because of what I've explained to you before about everything I've done I've done myself Um, and so the biggest issue I found was actually asking people and raising finance I really found that a struggle. Is that just because you know because you've always been so sort of self-reliant that it it went against the grain to bring bring other people? Literally asking them for help it felt like that did it literally i've never had to ask anybody for anything in my life so it was a big sort of switching in mindset that i'd suddenly had to look around to to work with other people to help me progress faster um and i really struggled with that to be honest and and even now i'm still working through it um i could have been so much further on if i dealt with this mindset issue two years ago i really could um how do you how did you overcome that then well, you've got to get on with it because once I've spent all my own money, it's, you know, <laughs> that's it. I've got to be able to leverage other people's. Yeah. I can't buy houses without money. No. And um, any sort of top tips on doing that? What, what's worked for you? Has it been within your own sort of network or through um, the people that you've met through Progressive and other networking events or, or yeah. a bit of everything? Bit of everything, bit of everything. They've been at, the people at Progressive have actually been really, really helpful. Um, one particular chap, he set me up with my first ever sort of external investor, uh, for which I'm really grateful, you know, because I was, I, was, I was young and, no, I wish I was young, I was, I was new and a bit naive about, and you know, I've never borrowed money from anybody before, ever. Um, mm. So it was all new, it was a whole new process I had to learn. Um, but yeah, so that went really well. Um, and then I've just sort of snowballed from there. And most of my time now is spent finding deals and finding investors. That want to work with me and, and are your investors um sort of long term so are they in in the project with you for the long term for the long-term ownership or are they sort of supplying the funds uh, with a view to you know at the point of refinance that's where they get their money back so it's a, a more short-term arrangement yeah it's, it's a short-term arrangement so they get the money back as soon as the house has been refinanced which generally takes somewhere between six and twelve months um, as soon as the money's back in the bank, they can they can have the fixed rate return back for me. You know, they've they've done their their grateful bit, and um, there's your reward. Thank you very much. Mm. I do tr- keep trying to, you know, I, I keep trying to get them involved in the project. Here's some pictures. Do you want to come along and nosey? But and some people like that. Some people come along and and you know stand in the 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 project and see what I'm doing, what I'm spending the money on, and you know making sure that I'm all street legal and credible. And other people are just like them. No get on with it I don't I don't really mind what you do with it as long as I get my return and and both of those are absolutely fine yeah it's interesting I definitely always used to send out you know updates of mm-hmm. here's the here's the project and, and I guess I sort of almost it's if it, more than anything else I wanted them to understand like look I am doing it yeah, yeah <laughs> that's it. That's it. You spending your money on the house you know so, look, well you hear so many place. you do hear so many horror stories about you know deals and investors that have gone wrong and people have buggered off for your money and you just you, you don't want them to think that way about you when you're doing a genuinely good job. Mm. Um, 
so yeah so I'm, you know i'm open i'm honest I'm, I'm doing what i'm saying i'm doing and anybody's welcome to come and have a nose <laughs> can i ask a bit of um i don't know if it's a personal question or what but i think i can feel like ant's gonna roll his massive eye his eyes oh, like massively oh. <laughs> um, there. i'll look away look. <laughs> you're making me nervous <laughs> i am now i am nervous you should have, be nervous no, no. have you found that as a woman in this industry which is um quite a male dominated industry um that you know you have had any specific challenges because of that or have you just felt like that is absolutely definitely um i mean yeah. i'm not particularly feminine being a little i am a lady but i'm not particularly feminine you know i don't have fingernails or fancy beauty treatments or anything like that but i think it's much more difficult as a lady to do this especially when you're dealing with contractors and refurbished from them mm-hmm. like, just some of the quotes and you're like mate you're taking piss because i'm lady that's that's how it is i can tell that you're taking the piss out of me next yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i think you do have to be um quite sort of th- um tough-skinned thick-skinned in this industry especially as a lady because some people will just try and take the mick out of you yeah you know if i want as a uh, yorkshire and thick-skinned as i was then people would generally try and walk all over you and sadly mm-hmm. you're dead right that's that's right it um, it's a male dominant I mean, even when I go to sort of property meetings, you know, networking, I look around the room and there'll be like 20 people and three ladies. Yeah, I've been in those situations, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, where's all the girls? Where's all the girls going on? <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that yeah. was exactly what I was going to ask, actually, yeah. was whether or not that was the case, whether or not you'd experienced that in some of the sort of networking meeting situations as well as people who... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I met this guy years ago and I just listened to the way he was talking to this woman who was an investor and I knew she was pretty successful and he was just so patronising. Yeah, yeah. But he was like a right dick, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so that happens as well then, yeah? Yeah, I mean, early on in my journey, I had a chap, he, he wanted to give me a lot, a lot of money, but he wanted half my portfolio forevermore. And so, you know, I mean, I could have gone much faster, but it would have been at his pace and not mine. And yeah. I'd have had to give up half my work. Um, and he'd have got half the profits and I'd have done everything else and I thought hmm how about no <laughs> is what I thought to that one um, and sometimes I mean a lot of people would have taken that and jumped and you know bitten his hand off but this is my journey I don't want somebody else dictating how I'm no doing. absolutely I'm fully supportive of that <laughs> not have a man telling you what to do that's it that's it <laughs> vice versa come that's- on we, I, 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 I've got in trouble several times for phrasing it like this, but um, in terms of sort of raising finance for our projects, I've always been wanted to go down the sort of shorter term route of, you know, there's the money, we've got it for this amount of time, and then there's your money back, mm-hmm. um, rather than sort of co-ownership. Um, and uh, I was getting trouble for saying that I'm, I'm, not, I mean, I'm, not, after a, I'm not I'm not after a marriage. I'm not after a marriage. <laughs> Quite happy with a one night stand on this. So that's oh, fine. Oh, no. I know. I know. I told you I always get in trouble for it. Always. Awful. I know. I know. I'm the worst. But... <laughs> so, where, um, how did you overcome that then? Is, did you just overcome that by, because look, you've got, you, you clearly, you know your own mind, you yep. understand. You understand the property game. You understand how to manage a project and what yeah, stuff. You come across as that you take no shit whatsoever. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> why, why would you? You know, why would you? Why would you? <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, that's fair enough. Um, so, so how do you overcome, you know, that sort of stuff then? Is it just by demonstrating your knowledge and just 
Don't look. I know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm very black and white, to be honest. It's either yeah. my way or don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, my friends all laugh about it because for me, it's black, it's white. I like you, I hate you. There's no in between. And if we don't work together and I don't like you and we don't get on, to be blunt, you don't exist to me. And <laughs> and I know that sounds horrendously dreadful, but like you said, it, it's this is a male-dominated world, and and you can't you can't be soft like your typical feminine princess. It's it's not going to work for you. you find yeah, the I feel like that women have to sort of work extra hard as well to feel like that <laughs> we do know what we're talking about. That's it. I was I recently had this. Um, I was at, I was out having a dinner with some friends actually, and this guy was saying that he had to write in an application form for a, a, for a flat that he was about to move into. And I was like, oh no, that's pretty common. He was like, well, I've never experienced it before. I go, well, mm. no, that is common. He goes, well, what do you know about it? And I go, well, oh, actually, like, <laughs> what I do. <laughs> Dear me, that's very rude. Yeah. And I just it's common. Thought, it's more common than people think. So. Yeah. What about with agents? Do you find they treat you differently as well? Yeah. No, not really. A lot of my local agents, there's not many men in, in the shops up the high street, to be honest. No. Uh, very few men. I don't know what's yeah. going on locally, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're absolutely fine. And so where were you all, uh, uh, you mentioned earlier on that you sort of got this target and, you know, I think we're probably all convinced you're going to hit that way before your, <laughs> your timeline. Um, probably be by the end of this year, I'd have thought. Yeah, but, that'd be yeah. nice. Um, but what will um, and, and you, you you mentioned you sort of write down of what life was like you know a year ago or two years ago and what it's yeah. like now and, and, and what it's going to be like so um, when you sort of paint a picture of being in, in at that point what what do you think will be different about life at, at that point when you reach those goals I'll just set new goals I, I get quite bored so once I've achieved something and ticked it off I'm like oh right what, what can we do next um, so I've, I've got a little vision, I'll show you if you want, <laughs> I've got a little vision board here and um, so I've ticked some of these off already, I mean I've just been to Venice and I, I need to put my little tick on there, but as soon as I've ticked all these off, you know, I went to, what did I do there, Machu Picchu, uh, yeah, I'm going to Iceland later on in the year, that's booked, um, and as soon as I've done all those I'll, I'll just come up with something else. Well, they're quite, you with your pictures. <laughs> no, no, they're quite like realistic goals as well. Like, oh yeah, yeah, so like, you had go up the shard on there, the and shard. so they're they're quite personal to you, and like That's I guess right. it means something to you. But they're actually quite attainable, and it's just like that small little thing that goes, yeah, I am doing this right. I'm on the right track. Let's yeah. have a bit of a reward. That's it. I, I sort of have small goals, medium goals, and big goals. And one of my latest small goals was just something as basic as plant some poppies in my garden I'd like some poppies um but yeah when I've done something quite good like uh you know have, have a finish the refurb yeah I've done the poppies last week um then just reward yourself with something off the list depending on how successful you've been how much finance you've raised whatever just pick something off the list yeah. um my, my daughter's my daughter's called uh poppy so we have pictures mm. of poppies all around our house and paintings of poppies and stuff like that so yeah. That's good. That's nice, well, um, I run an air cadet unit as well, so you know it's, that's, that'll give me a lot more time to to spend with those. I do I volunteer twice a week as a commanding officer, and um, yeah, I'd like to be able to designate a bit more time to putting things more things on for the cadets as well. Did you, did you struggle with that when you were teaching to sort of yeah. 
But it's hard work when you've been teaching all day and then you go home and put your uniform on and then deal with teenagers again, but this time voluntary and nicer teenagers that want to be there. Um, we, we, yeah, we had, we, it's good fun being in today. So, I mean, we were doing cooking, camping stove cooking last night. So, you know, that's the sort of nice things that I'd like to be able to allocate more time to do with them at weekends and things. And, and there was, you know, when you were, I, I guess you really liked doing it when you were teaching as well, but actually by the time you get home and to go out and leave the house again is yeah. it's quite hard work isn't yes. it it's quite you know you're all knackered yeah after uh, particularly you know been on your feet all day um teaching um unless you're unless you're a PE teacher they <laughs> no no marking but, um <laughs> I, I ate my gym I, I worked trained with a couple of PE, t- PE teachers and they're always in there at five past four in the afternoon that's it that's it don't see any of the english and math teachers in it no you don't (laughs) no but um so uh, the the kind of people that you sort of worked with along the way you mentioned a couple of them that you know some people were really instrumental in sort of helping you do that what is it that that, you know i I guess some people were you know very specific help in terms of one person helping you find your first investor um being part of a community like progressive or some of the other networking events and just mixing with other property people does it help uh make it real when other, the other people that you're surrounding yourselves with are, are doing the same thing um did that make a difference to you yeah definitely nobody i know locally is doing what i'm doing now or then there are now that i've obviously as i've met people that i've met um, down at progressive and through property um but yeah, I mean, not many of my friends actually work for themselves. You know, they've all got employed jobs. Um, yeah. It, do you think they um, are envious of your position? Would they, would they want to make the swap? <laughs> Believe it or not, they're actually, oh, you work hard. I don't know how you do it. Oh, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. You know, it's because it is quite stressful working for yourself, looking after projects, managing them, you know, making sure your cash flow is okay. Um, you know, they don't have... I think they're a bit wary about the security of my financial position. Yeah, which is kind of ironic in, in many ways, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. I know many, many years ago when I sort of it was employed in some format, um, I was used to think, oh, no, like, what if this place shuts and they get rid of me? What am I going to do? I haven't got any money. You know, I haven't got a paycheck next week, you know, or next month or whatever. And um, it, the, the perception of security is... Is it is a, a, it, it is an issue of perception, isn't it? It depends who who you are. We see it very differently, I guess. That's it. And some of them they're just baffled by the what? What do you mean, people? People you don't know lend you money to buy houses? Yeah, I don't believe it. Well, what you studying it? <laughs> you studying the house that someone has lent me money to buy, and you know, <laughs> it's happening. And any um, any refurb nightmares along the way? Because um, I know when I've, I've worked on a few older properties, um, you never really know what you're dealing with until you take the thing apart a little bit. Have you had any horrible surprises along the way? Not not dreadfully horrible. Um, obviously, you get the you know scabby kitchen. The, the, I was talking about this with my mum yesterday, and um, the biggest trauma every time I think of this particular house everything else just fades into significance you know insignificance this particular house a little old lady owned it she died it was carpeted and we went into this house and it were infested with fleas fleas oh oh, it was dreadful and for the my cat is 14 and I actually came home and gave my cat fleas for the first time in her life from this flea infect and I'm horrified by that still I'm traumatized because it took you know four flea bombs 
and everything else that goes wrong. And still nothing can get over the trauma of Fleagate from They're that. really bad, aren't they? I had a place. I was, oh, it's dreadful. I, I, was, I had to put a place in Bristol a few years ago. I gave my own cat fleas. Dreadful. <laughs> it's meant to be the other way around. I know. Absolutely dreadful. You're doing it wrong. Your I cat's doing it wrong. Fleas on from this scabby house. Dreadful. I, I, I had a place That's all that way now, by the way. That's I, I, I had a flea infestation in a place that I bought and was about to refurb. And... Um, uh, the the guy who was doing the work in there for me said he's just, they've just eaten me alive, oh, you know, sort of up, oh, almost up, electrician the same. <laughs> uh, up, up, almost up to the knee of just flea bites. It was just hideous. Oh, that was horrible. Dreadful. I know I feel sorry for your cat as well, you know, no, She's all right now. She's all fully cured. Fifteen treatments later. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, there's been other things like leveling floors and holes in floorboards and no gas connections and. Um, you know, unsafe things to do with gas piping not being blocked off properly. Um, but not, it can all be dealt with. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't like to take no for answer. I'm like, what do you mean we can't fix that? Of course we can. There's got to be a way around it. <laughs> I, I think the very worst job must be dealing with utilities companies. Oh, the tantrums I've had on the phone with those. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just tedious. Just tedious. It's hours and hours and hours of, yeah. of waiting to be cut off. Press one if you want this. Press two yeah. and then by the time you get to press 15 you've forgotten what press one was. <laughs> yeah or, you, or you, you speak to someone and then you get cut off. Yeah. And you phone back and then there's no notes on oh. it. Yeah. Infuriating. So as we kind of come to the end of this um, this sort of very, you know, we could say at the start, it's a very informal chat about your, your journey in property. Yeah I hope it's not <laughs> been too traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for you, for you. <laughs> for, for for the you know for anyone who's kind of you know where you were, eighteen months, two years ago, mm-hmm. like that. Um, what uh, I want to say, sort of words of advice, but you know what what sort of thoughts do you have on anyone who's thinking about doing it? What would you, that you do either differently or um, some words of encouragement or you know don't do it or, you know, whichever. So what what are your thoughts to anyone who's in your position, uh, you know, where you were a couple of years ago? Just start with one, start with one. I mean, think about a a bricklayer. He doesn't just wake up one day and say, right, I'm going to build a wall. Are you ready? Wall. He doesn't just magically make a wall. He puts one brick and then another brick and another brick. And eventually by bricking and bricking, he's got a wall. And that's just how it is with a portfolio. You know, you can't magically have 50 houses. You just start with one, do it up get your next one, do it up, get your next one. Just Take it one step literally at a time. start with one house, mm. step by step. Because there are definitely a few people who kind of, uh, I, I guess they don't ever get that first property quite. They almost get stuck in, you know, never quite being able to sort of pull the trigger on it. I know, it's infuriating to watch. It's infuriating. I'd rather... It's most infuriating it must be to be. <sighs> worse. I know, I know. I just, I can't work out why people just can't take them. I think this, when you do nothing, you've nothing to fail at. Have you? You know, if you don't make any steps, at least you've not failed because you've not done anything to fail. But Mm. you know, I'd rather fail and fail fast and then learn from it and then not do it the next time. And also, I I think you know, on the sort of projects that we're we're talking about here, and you know, my portfolio is absolutely built on a very similar uh, uh, methodology. Yep. Yeah, stuff can go wrong. And it does go wrong sometimes, but if it does, it's not normally of a magnitude that it's going to take you under, is it? It's That's you know it. the, 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 the and, and people worry about everything. What if the tenant 
trashes the place? What if it, they bugger off? What if, what if, what if? And, you know, the, the reality is that some of those things are going to happen at some point, but they're not all going to happen on deal number one. You'd be very, very unlucky. For that. Very unlucky. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so um, for anyone who's listening to this, reading the article in the magazine, and, you know, I'm sure they'll be nodding along with everything you say. You know, you talk absolute sense. It's no bullshit. Um, it's really nice to hear. How can people kind of follow you or connect with you in some way? All right. So I'm on the usual channels, social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, and my website, if anybody would like to visit and see some more examples of what I've been doing, is kellyannemartin.co.uk. Okay, brilliant. And um, as we kind of near the, the end of this, just want to say a massive sort of thank you from us. We couldn't create the magazine without people like yourself no. who are willing to give up your time and share your expertise. And Yeah, and thank you for being so candid as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And we wish you every success in your sort of future property endeavours as well and you know, hitting that goal of 50 houses. So we'll probably book in that interview in a couple of months' time or something. Oh. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Good to, good to no connect. problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can go to yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash stuff. You can download the article that we create from the podcast so you can see all of the case study pictures, all the uh, financials um, and a bit more information uh, in there as well. And there's loads of other useful things to download uh, on that web page as well. And don't forget to rate, comment and subscribe to our podcast.